0: The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. An Old Testament reading from the prophet Amos, chapter 2. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. Because they have rejected the law of the Lord. And they have not kept his statutes, but their lies have led them astray, those after which their father walked. So I will send a fire upon Judah, and it shall devour the strongholds of Jerusalem. God, we thank you for your word. Story. of your grace. So in this new location at Heritage Hill, we can now see if you're sitting in the right spot. The temple. You see it? The sign is on, so you probably should be able to see it pretty clearly. It's lit up. The temple of Green Bay. The place of pilgrimage where each week people from all over the state, the nation, and even the world come during scheduled festivals like today, like on a Sunday, wearing their colorful priestly number 12 or number 17 garments Pilgrims coming to sing shouts of joy and praise. Sometimes bringing a wave offering section by section. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Pilgrims coming to pour out their $150 or $500 a ticket offering. And still another significant wad of cash to feast on literal tons of overpriced Bratwurst and Budweiser. When you make a pilgrimage to the temple, to Lambo, chances are you will take your picture with an image. One of them stands at 50 feet and weighs in at 14 and a half tons of foam and chrome, and it's the replica of the Lombardi trophy. Another one, I don't know how tall Lombardi or Curly stand, but they probably stand a good 15, 20 feet as well. You'll probably get a picture with them These images, these symbols of pride and excellence for any pilgrim because of what they all represent. What do they represent? Winning. The image that you see at Lambeau, that winning image is the object of worship here in Green Bay. Back in the prophet Amos' day, any temple of any god was filled with an image like this one. Large displays, replicas of a people's god. You would make your way to the temple of the god and pay homage through money, through prayer, through praise, through prostitution. And what you would hope to receive was a blessing from that god. And the images that you saw when you went into those temples reminded you of that God. They were not, the images were not the God themselves, but only a representation of that God. And every temple had a large scale image of their God. Every temple except one the temple in Jerusalem, the temple of Yahweh. Why was no image, no large image found in this temple in Jerusalem? Why no picture, no portrait, no carving, no big pylon of pride found in the temple of Yahweh, you might ask? Well, we find the answer in Genesis 1, when the Lord finishes his work of creating the earth, he says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over all the earth. God created man in his own image, male and female. He created them. Why is there not an image found within God's temple, Yahweh's temple? There actually is. It's us human beings, image bearers. We are reflections like mirrors of the God who made us. We are not God ourselves, but we are representations and representatives here in the temple of God's creation to display him to the world. Unfortunately, when God made us in his image, our first parents and us, if we were them, we wanted more than that. We don't want to be just a reflection of the God who made us. We want to be God. We center worship on ourselves and off of that God. And so out from the garden went Adam and Eve, cursed for not keeping their end of the covenant, of the promised agreement he made with them. He made a covenant in the garden asking them full obedience and full submission to what I want. And they said, no, we want it our way. So God entered into a new covenant, a new contract called a covenant of grace where a chosen select group of people, a bunch of misfits in sense, would be preserved to be a blessing to the entire world, to all of the nations. They would be called Israel, God's people, God's covenant people to whom the book of Amos is written. Called in the book of Exodus, Israel's called a kingdom of priests. What are priests intended to do to reflect God to the world? This people, Israel, was given the responsibility to display God to the world. And the way in which this would be accomplished was through what was called the law or the Torah. When we think law, like we talked about with the kids, we tend to think of a list of do's and don'ts, don't we? But to Israel, the Torah or the law was much bigger and broader than that. The law was the answer to how do we live as your image bearing people? How do we do this? How do we live as God's people? How do we serve as your priests to the rest of the world? The law was the written word and the written way of living. The law was a way of life given to people to serve as his image bearers. See us keeping the law, then see the God who made the law. When you look at the law in the beginning, in the first five books of the Bible and the Torah, every description of the law begins with a description of God, Yahweh. That's interesting, right? That he starts his commands with telling you who he is. The summary of the law that the kids sang this morning in Deuteronomy 6.5 begins with, hear people of God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one describes God. The opening to the Ten Commandments, another description of God's gracious character. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He starts with a description of who he is before he gives commands. Why? Why does he do that? Because any law given to a people flows out of the nature and character of its ruler, of its king. So, when you look at the Ten Commandments, see less the Ten Commandments, a list of do's and don'ts, which it is, but see more the nature and character of God in the Ten Commandments. If Israel were to be a people reflecting the image of God, then they're not worshiping other gods, they're not unfaithful to their spouses. They're not lying. They're not cheating, stealing, coveting. Because their God is a faithful God to his people. Their God is a God who tells the truth. There's a, their God is a God who doesn't use his people for his own gain. Even the summary of the law that the kids sang, You shall love the Lord your God, flows out of who God is. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. Why? Because your love for him is a reflection of his love for you. All of this background that I give you on law is a way of introduction into this passage in Amos. Because this is exactly what Judah was not doing in the prophet's judgment against the nation. As we've been walking through the judgments against the nations these past few weeks in Amos. We've seen a pattern of horrific treatment of God's image bearers. Horrible treatment of human beings that's being called out by God and judged and saying no more, no more. But today's passage is notably different than what we've seen the past couple of weeks, isn't it? It's not about a violation of human rights It's about a divine violation, a direct attack on God himself. Because the people of God have not loved neighbor as they have been loved themselves by God. Just to give you a little backstory, Judah, who's Judah? Judah was like the little brother of the whole nation of Israel. Judah was the family tree from which King David came from. And Amos the prophet is actually part of the tribe of Judah. So God's using a Judean to speak judgment upon his own people. Notice what Amos the prophet says of his people of Judah in verse 4. They have rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his statutes. Not only have they rejected it. And disobeyed God's law, they have replaced it with lies. By listening to false prophets, they followed after false gods. Why do we need the book of Amos today, here and now? Because, church, I think we've forgotten as image bearers what our purpose is in the church. We are to be this kingdom of priests. We are to be a reflection of God's law and love to the world around us. Unfortunately, in the church, we've rejected the law altogether because we pit law against grace. We say we cannot earn God's favor by keeping the law perfectly, so we're just going to throw it out. No, no, we can't do that. We know that no one but Jesus could keep the law perfectly. And that's why we need him to forgive us for all of our law breaking. But we can still reflect God's image by embracing his law, embracing his word, embracing his instruction as a way of life. So that the world might see God in us, his image bearers, his kingdom of priests. The law of God is our way of life. So we need to walk in his ways so that you and the world around you might live. How does this passage in Amos, these couple of verses in Amos, as Ben preached last week, catch us in our sin? How does it find us? How does the little brother nation of Judah's sin convict us to repent, to embrace the law of God in our hearts as good? Three ways I want to highlight this morning. The law instructs us and calls us to live hopefully, that's first. To live holy, that's second. And to live hospitably, that's third hopefully, wholly, and hospitably. First, the law of God instructs us to live hope-filled lives. I want to ask you guys the question, what is hope? What is it? Hope in the Scriptures is about confidence. Confidence that by looking back at the Lord's redemptive acts in the past... It allows us to trust him in the present so that we can experience the fullness of God's goodness now and forever. It's a confidence in God's past working so that we can live in the fullness of God's goodness now and we can move forward faithfully knowing it will be accomplished. It's a past, present, and future thing, hope is. And Judah, Amos' people, were not living hope-filled lives because they were doing what? They were rejecting the law of the Lord. The word rejecting in that scripture has to do with the heart, with the innards of us. Their hearts were hopeless. They were not putting any confidence in God's acts, but only in their own or their false gods that they were worshiping. They were trusting in themselves and their own abilities, and they saw their future as a choose their own adventure not a future that God was directing. The law of God, the Torah, was given to a special people to look back on how God was so good to them by rescuing them from slavery, even though they were not deserving of rescue. And that made God trustworthy. And the response of their lives was to live in loving response to the one who rescued them for the rest of their lives and into forever. That's hope filled lives. Imagine for a second you were on the top floor of the World Trade Center on 9 11. Top floor. There was no way out. Certain death for you. And a chopper came right outside the broken window with a rescue worker calling out your name. And asking you, come, jump over, let me take you out of here. And you do, and you jump, and you're caught, and you're flown to safety. As you watch the building collapse, what's going to happen the next time you experience a life-threatening emergency? Where will your confidence and your hope Lie. You would look back on the God who saved you in order to trust Him in what's going on now. God, you are good. You have rescued me from the past. You will see me through here and see me through now. And even if you don't, I know I have a future that is secure because of what you've done for me. Judah was not living in that hope or confidence. Judah was saying no to God's redemptive work and yes to substitute saviors and it was going to cost them their future. Look at those words of judgment. God is serious in this final judgment. This is definitive. A fire is going to devour not just Judah's big cities, it's going to devour the entire land. And not only the entire land is that God's consuming fire going to judge, it's also going to burn up the temple in Jerusalem. Judah would be exiled, sent out of their land, as they witnessed their place of worship completely destroyed. The Lord, the gracious God who saved Judah from the burning building of their sin, would not hide under his protection. And so, instead of Judah being a display of God's character, Judah is going to become an example of God's justice. The Lord is saying in this judgment in Amos, and the next one we'll read next week in Israel. Instead of showing the nations who I am through you, Judah, I'm going to use you, Judah, and Israel, to show the nations what life looks like to those who will not hope in me. That's what you're going to get. I'm going to show the nations what my people who do not hope and trust in me, what's the outcome for them. So the world will see that and know that the Lord is judge. The law, the word of God, instead instructs us to live hope-filled lives by saying this simply. God, you have. God, you are. And so, God, you will. God, you have. God, you are. and God, you will. I've done this a lot this week. Saying this. And I'm wondering, maybe it's a question for you this morning about a suffering that you're going through. God, you have suffered for me. So God, I can trust you are suffering with me. And God, I can know that you will bring an end to this suffering. Take another example. This new home for worship. Well, the elders, while we were trying to find a place and confused about where the Lord might be leading us, we could have easily rejected the law and instruction of the Lord. We could have done it our way and according to our plan. And even at times, we were tempted to try that. But each of us had to embrace the law of the Lord with hope. God, you have never left us without a place to worship. God, you are with us as we search. And God, you will provide for us what we need when we need it. This is hope. A confidence in what we've seen. A trust in who we are and to move forward to what we'll be. Embrace the law of the Lord by living this kind of hope-filled life. God, you were. God, you are. God, you will be. Second, the law of God instructs us to live holy lives. When we give up on hope in God, in our hearts, when we give up confidence in God, in our hearts, what's going to follow easily next is unholy living with our hands. That's next to go. Rebellion. Judah was charged with not keeping God's statutes. Do you see that in verse 4? What do you see in a statute? Well, will just give you an example. When you get a prescription at CVS or Walgreens, What do you see on the prescription when you get it filled? Instructions, right? On how to take the medicine. How often, how much, who's the prescribing doc, all of that. Statutes were the prescriptives of God's law. Statutes are more the live like this and not like this given in God's word. Micah 6a is an example of a statute from God. Some of you might be familiar with it. Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. As we follow these statutes, our lives are marked as holy to the Lord, like the sign the priest would wear in the temple. Judah was living unjustly. They were hating mercy. They were walking proudly away from God. We have evidence in the scripture that the prescriptive, even for temple worship, was being violated by Judah as King Uzziah barged into the temple and offered sacrifices when that was not his call, that was not his prescriptive, that was the priest's duty. And what happened to him when he did that? He was struck with leprosy. The people of Judah were rejecting God's statutes, and by rejecting those statutes, you're rejecting God himself. Friends, too often we don't realize how much our ungodly breaking of God's law with our hearts is the direct result of rejection of his law. Rebellion doesn't come out of nowhere. Rebellion comes from forgetting what good that God has done. Forgetting that we can trust in God's prescriptions for us is good. Holy living, friends, doesn't mean you get it all right all the time and then you and God are good. (laughs) Holy living means you didn't get it all right, but you were loved by God in light of that. And now your life is lived by his strength, by his spirit in response to being treated so well by God in your sin. Any holiness that we see in one another should never deserve a pat on the back. Way to go, Jacqueline. Way to go, West. Never. It deserves a praise to the heavens. You've obeyed. Praise be to God. This was who Judah and Israel were to be, not the straight A student or the football star that God hand chose. I want you part of my team because you're going to make me look really good. No, no, no. Israel's name means wrestled with God, difficult, high maintenance, little people who God has called to make holy, to show himself through where the nations around Israel would say he made them to be his child. Holiness is by God's grace, not by our good grades. The psalmist in 119 reflects this dependence on God to make us holy as he sings. Let me not wander. Teach me your statutes. Turn my eye from worthless things. Lead me in your path. Make me understand. Shine your light. You see how much dependence upon God is needed to obey God's law? The law. The Word of God, friends, is where we have to go to know how to live a holy life so that we look more and more like Christ. What does the Word reveal to us? It shows us God's perfections. And in seeing that ceiling, we see clearly our imperfections, how we are below sea level. But in reading the word of God, we see that God rescued us out of that deadly sea by giving us his son as a life preserver and pulling us out of the deadly waters. And he puts his spirit in us to understand his word, to know we're out of step with it, and to have the strength to keep his law. That's what the word of God is intended to do. I was having a conversation with a friend who was talking about their descent into the slavish trap. pornography. And it began for this person at a young age, about third grade, as they were innocently asking the internet a very noble question. And it was this, how do I be a good friend? The YouTube search engine, like a false teacher, like a false prophet's lies, took him astray. Video after suggested video, down a road to learning and seeing things a third grader need not ever know. As I was hearing this story, I was thinking how much we depend upon internet means over the Torah to instruct us. What would have happened If this young man did a search of the scriptures on how to be a good friend, period. Certainly, it might have led him to the Proverbs. It might have shown bad examples of Job's friends or Judas. It might have even highlighted David and Jonathan's friendships. But ultimately, how to be a good friend as we search the law of God will always lead us to Jesus. A friend who loves at all times. A friend who never gives up on his friends. A friend who even calls us friends after we betray him. A friend who sacrifices himself and lays down his life for his friends. How do I be a good friend? See Jesus. See Jesus. That's what the law is to show us. Jesus. Let's ask the law of the Lord, the word of God, to be our search engine to big picture questions, to -to day-to-day questions. Let's allow the wise rabbi Jesus to instruct us on how we are to live. How do I love my excruciatingly difficult child? How do I demonstrate mercy to someone who's unmerciful to me? How do I get beyond obsessing about myself? How do I gain eternal life? How do I deal with my struggle with pornography? How do I deal with my struggle with my spouse? Holy living comes through a holy searching of the scriptures. And it happens not alone, but in community. In coming to hear the word preached every Sunday morning. In doing life together during the week in a table group. And taking time alone to hear from God in meditation and in prayer. Search the scriptures. The law of God instructs us to hopeful living, to holy living. And finally, quickly, the law of God instructs us to live hospitable lives. Judah rejected its purpose as an image bearer for the world to see through them God himself. But Amos writes, with some purification in mind, Judah took pride in the fact that they were the place where the temple of God was located, in Jerusalem. The hearers of Amos' message, the big brother Israel, were probably excited to see Judah get wiped out. Fire would come and destroy the temple. But fire would also come upon someone from the tribe of Judah to rebuild Jerusalem into a new city. He's called in the book of Colossians, the image of the invisible God, Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God. Judah, nor Israel, nor us will ever be able to accurately reflect the true nature of God. But Jesus did. He promised to tear down the temple of God, didn't he? And rebuild it in three days. But this time the temple wouldn't be made with human hands. It would instead dwell in human hearts. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. The sum of God's perfections for all the world to see. Dying on a cross to forgive and save his friends. Rising from the grave to give his friends new life. And ascending to the right hand of the Father to rule over his friends by his spirit. Until that day when those who've put their hope in him will be welcomed home. Jesus is the hospitality of the gospel. An unfaithful Judah was destroyed for not loving neighbor as themselves. Jesus, a faithful Judah, was the love of God on display in loving neighbors as God would love. Will you display Christ's image to all of the nations, all saints, church, as we sit upon this hill and as we go go out into this world? Will you be hospitable with the love of neighbor that Christ demonstrated? His arms were opened to you. Will you extend his arms in his image to the world around you? That's what the law of God calls you, church, to do. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your law. Thank you for the image bearing that we have as a responsibility that we now have the privilege and the joy of displaying Christ Jesus to the world. Lord, we cannot do this in our own strength. We need your spirit to come into our weakness and be our strength. So that when we obey your law, when we do what you ask us to do, it will not be because we did it. It will be because Christ did it in us. Give us an ability to obey your law. Keep us searching your word to know how you call us to live. And Father, remind us that we have hope in Jesus Christ forever. Because he kept the law perfectly for us. We ask this all in his name. Amen.